Well, good morning, church. Uh, Good morning, Facebook land. If you would have told me five or ten years ago that we'd be conducting a church service uh, on Facebook, I would have told you that you were crazy. Uh, But this has been a crazy week, hasn't it? Um, Wow. It seems like just uh, about a year ago that we were watching college basketball, and and now this has been a very uh, interesting week. I I had all the brackets for the conference tournaments. I print those out every year and put them up on my wall and track, and so that way I can win my uh, March Madness pool, but unfortunately this year uh, I'm going to have to take an L, uh, like we all are, aren't we? Uh, well, it's funny, if, if you guys didn't want me to preach this morning, you could have just told me, and I would have been glad to uh, give that back to Randy. Um, and you know, my small group said that they were going to be here this morning with signs in, a, in a, a cheering section, but probably like most weeks when we try to gather, one of their kids is sick. So uh, I understand that sometimes things happen, um, but we were telling our kids uh, that, that we wouldn't be going to church uh, this Sunday, and, but that, that daddy was going to be talking through the computer. And Henry, who's six, said, uh, well, daddy's going to be computer famous. And so hopefully that's for a good reason, Henry. It's good to see you. Make, make sure you go to bed by 730. Uh, I'll be home soon. Um, but it's been a crazy week. Uh, but one of the things I want to make sure we don't miss is that in the midst of everything, the mission of Jesus that he gave us still continues on. And so we're in the midst of a series called Sent, where Randy's been challenging us Uh, to really uh, lean into the mission that Jesus gave us while he was on earth and the one that he left for us. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, Randy talked about the challenge of the mission. Uh, Last week, he talked about the urgency of the mission, the fact that there is a very real place that people will go for for those who don't know who Jesus is. And it's up to us as Christ followers to make sure that we are reaching out to them, to make sure we are giving them the good news of Jesus so that we will be together with them and with Jesus one day. And so today we continue the series, talking about the mechanics of being sent, the nuts and bolts, the the nitty-gritty of actually sharing the love of Jesus with others. And for those of you who don't know me, you probably don't know this, but those of you who do know me know I'm not very mechanically inclined, right? I'm no Randy Nation. I'm not somebody who can get in there and get my hands dirty and figure out how how to fix something underneath the hood of my car. When I was in college, I had a headlight that went out on my car, and I spent hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how do you change this headlight. Everything's jam-packed in there, and I had to, uh, I had to go ask my friends in, in my dorm, how, how in the world do I, do I change this thing? And there was a, a senior at the time, his name was Luke, and, and I was sharing with him, I said, Luke, I just can't figure out how to change this headlight. I'm afraid I'm going to get a ticket, right, driving. And so he said, well, did you remember to check the headlight fluid? Headlight fluid? No, I I never thought to check that. How do I check that? You know, I was asking all these questions. And when he realized how serious I was, he just busted out laughing. He said, man, there's no such thing as headlight fluid. He said, go down to the auto parts store and ask them how to do it, right? And so I did. I went down there. I got got the the headlight I needed. I came back. This was before all the tutorials on YouTube. And and I'm ashamed to say it, it took me about 10 hours to change my headlight. Right? I'm just not a mechanic. I feel awkward. I feel out of place. I feel unprepared uh, for for changing those things. And sometimes that's how I feel in sharing the gospel with my friends, with my neighbors too. I feel out of place. I feel unprepared. I feel awkward. I feel like it's going to be a difficult thing. But the more and more that we do it, the more and more that we lean in and we read how Jesus taught his disciples to do it, the more comfortable it becomes for us. Now, you probably won't believe this, but as I was starting my car this week, driving to work on Tuesday, I realized that my headlight was out again. 
So I feel like I'm at this crossroads, like, okay, Eric, it's been 15 years. What have you learned in 15 years about being a mechanic? Well, we'll find out this week, (laughs) so stay tuned. But my prayer this morning is that through the midst of everything going on in our world, uh, through the midst of the craziness, the social distancing, that we wouldn't lose sight of the mission that Jesus left for us. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this time together. These brief moments that we get to share through a computer screen, Father, let them not go to waste. This morning, I invite your spirit to speak through me. I encourage my friends to open their hearts to how you want to speak in their life. Father, the action that you want to spur them on to do out of love for those around them. Father, I pray that you would give us the courage and the boldness to share your love with everyone around us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're in this series called Sent. And so far, we've looked at the Great Commission, which is uh, what Jesus commissioned us to do, right? It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, right? That's the what. That's the mission, the timeless mission that Jesus has given us. If you've been around Journey Church for a while, you probably know our mission statement, to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus, right? But that's not it. We're also called, as, as Mark says in Mark 12, some people were asking Jesus, what, what is the greatest commandment? If we could boil everything down, your mission to one thing, what would it be? And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he said, this, this second one is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You can't separate those. And so that's what our our vision here at Journey Church is, is to love God, to love people, and to make disciples who make disciples. And if you were to ask me, how do I sum up Jesus's mission on earth that shows both the challenge and the urgency and the mechanics, what would that look like? And it would be these two passages. The New Testament and Jesus commands us to go and to love those around us. This was the method by which Jesus performed his ministry. This was the method by which he modeled for his disciples to go out and to go and to love. But often, is that how our lives look? Is that how our schedules look? You see, often we're called to to go and to love, but maybe we're scared to go and to love. Maybe we don't have the margin in our life to go and to love. Maybe we feel awkward to go into love. Maybe we set up walls around ourselves or we say that we're not uh, outgoing enough or we don't have enough knowledge to go into love, but that's the very thing that Jesus has called us to do. We don't go and love like we should, but do you realize the mission of Jesus won't continue unless we go and we love? Check out what Paul says in the book of Romans. It's Romans 10, 13 through 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Jesus very clearly tells us it's time to go and to love The disciples, the New Testament models that, tells us to do the same. But what is that love that we're talking about, right? You could turn on the TV, you can watch a movie. You could see a lot of different types of love happening. 
What type of love was Jesus really commanding us to show? If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Matthew 9, 35 through 38. We're going to spend a few moments here in this text. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, a couple things stick out to me in this text. First, Jesus was going, right? He was going. He wasn't holding court in some fancy castle and telling everyone to come to him. He, was, he wasn't hoarding a stockpile of toilet paper or food, right? He was going to where the people were, and he was teaching the local church to share what they had with those who were in need. He was reaching his people by going and by loving. As Randy mentioned last week, it's time for us to go and to share the good news of Jesus with those around us. And if we're not going to go and love, then who is? We've got to get up from the table, from feasting for ourselves, and we've got to go into the field. Now, another thing that sticks out to me from this text is that it says Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. I took a few minutes this week to figure out, to do some research, what does that phrase actually mean? And I wasn't prepared for what it actually means, right? It comes from the Greek word, That suggests being moved with compassion is being moved in your innermost bowels, right? Having that that fluttering or that gnawing in your stomach, it's the Greek word that's the deepest form of pity that a man can show. The implication is that the Lord and our Savior had so much pity in his stomach that he was doubled over in pain from what he saw. We see it a few times in the Gospels where it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And if we were to study these passages, we could see the things which moved Jesus most of all. He was moved to compassion by the world's pain. He was moved to compassion by the world's sorrow, by the world's hunger, by the world's loneliness, the world's turmoil, the the world's fear. And as I sat and and watched the events of this, uh, this week play out, I wondered... Would Jesus feel the same way about our world today? Would he be moved to compassion by our world's turmoil and fear and hunger today? And then I thought to myself, Eric, is that what moves your heart to compassion? Is your heart moved to compassion when you see kids who are hungry or who don't have a shelter or don't have the clothing that they need? Are you moved to compassion by neighbors who are scared to death about what's going on around them? See, Jesus is demonstrating that we should see people in our city, in our neighborhood, and it should make our stomach in pain if they don't have a relationship with him. We should be angry when we hear about marriages that are struggling, not out of judgment, but out of concern for them. It should make our stomach hurt to think about kids who don't have the food that they need at home. But it's one thing to feel that burden. It's another to actually do something about it. You see, you don't need to hear a sermon today about plans and strategies to go if you don't have a burden to love. 
And far too often we can hear about stories or hear about things or hear about needs that that are around us, but we don't have that burden to actually do something about it. And is it truly a burden if we're not willing to go? Finally, this text shows how Jesus was praying with his disciples. And at first I thought it was interesting. You know, he didn't pray for the people who didn't know him. What did he pray for? He prayed for more laborers more workers to go out into the field. He was calling on his people who knew him and who said that they followed him to step up and to step out in faith because the mission was so critical, was so urgent. And most times people won't remember whatever theology that you you wanna tell them, but they'll remember the times that you spent in love and in care and concern for them. They remember the time and energy that you spent showing up and how you showed them love. I heard this sentence this week, and it made me stop and think for a while. It says, the best shepherds smell like their sheep. The best shepherds smell like their sheep. Now, why is that? It's because the shepherds take time to be with their sheep, to get to know their sheep, to care for whatever is going on with their sheep that they need caring about. And I'm going to ask you, who do you smell like? Who do you smell like? This week, I was thinking about who I really smell like, right? I can kind of think of three different groups. I smell like my family, sometimes because of the dirty diapers that I change, right? I smell like my family. Sometimes I smell like my small group, right? We spend a lot of time together gathering. We spend a lot of time serving together. And I, I smell like the, the volunteers and the kids in our children's ministry. And I genuinely think I put a lot of time and energy and effort into loving and smelling like all three of those groups, And I started to feel pretty proud about that. But then God, like he does in his spirit, he was convicting me. He said, Eric, what about the people, the kids who don't come to your church? What about them? Have you lost sight of going and sharing the love of Jesus with them? Or are you just simply waiting and comfortable for them to come to you before you share that with them? What about the neighbors in your neighborhood? You don't even know all their names. What about that? You see, the Spirit was convicting me that all too often I get comfortable and I'm not willing to go and to share the love of Jesus with others. But if we want to be influential, if we want to help uh, spur one another on towards Jesus, then we've got to be with our people, right? And I know right now we need to practice this social distancing. Like that's the buzzword that, we, that we're trying to practice. But we can't sacrifice the sake of the gospel for that. Amen. Right? We still have to be willing to reach out to our neighbors, to reach out to our friends and our coworkers. Amen. We still have to be willing to go that distance uh, for the gospel. Because even though a lot of our, our, our cities and our, and our schools may be shut down right now, the gospel doesn't shut down. God was convicting me, and I hope he's convicting you too. Sometimes uh, volunteers will come up to me, and they'll say, hey, could I serve maybe once a month in children's ministry? Because I'm just so busy, or because this or that, and sometimes it's it's a really good reason. But but far too often I say, well, that's kind of missing the point, right? Because in order to have influence, in order to help someone along on their path, we have to show up predictably and consistently to help point them to Jesus. And so far too often, I, I say, no, 
I'd rather you serve consistently, predictably in one area so that you can teach someone what does it mean to follow Jesus in a relationship setting. A relationship is best built when a shepherd smells like their sheep. So how do we really accomplish this, right? We know the challenge. We know the urgency. How do we truly live out being uh, the, the mission of Jesus? Well, while the world around us pauses and isolates to try to combat the spread of this virus, I believe the opportunity has never been greater for the church to shine. Although we've certainly experienced crisis in our community and in our world before, I don't know that I can remember a time like this where our lives have been so disrupted. But often when our lives are disruptive, that means our communities and our nation are inclined to turn towards God in a new way. And this will be no exception. I'm certain that God will use this crisis to turn people's hearts towards him. Because of that, I think we are uniquely positioned to impact our community. Even though our worship gatherings, at least for today, have been moved online, the time has never been more appropriate for us to be the church. I've got about five things that I want to just help, uh, just very tangibly things that we can do in our community right now. One is we can be a beacon of hope. People's spiritual instincts and questions get triggered in moments like these. We have this opportunity to bring them the good news of the gospel. A world struggling with death and with crisis needs the hope of the resurrection and the power of a God who suffers with them. The appetite for the gospel has been whetted, maybe in a way like it hasn't been in years. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus' mission while he was on earth revealed that he prioritized trying to save the lost. And I pray that we are still focused on trying to save the lost. The mission of Jesus doesn't stop for anything, and neither should we. Next, we can look for opportunities in the midst of the obstacles. This is a time when we could step up and demonstrate leadership over reactionship. Being a leader requires courage and discipline, determination, and servanthood. It's easy to allow the uncertainty of this situation strike up fear and panic in our hearts. And when we allow it to take root in our hearts, we see that overflow in the way of how we speak, how we post on social media, how we treat others. Leaders will find opportunity to lead where others only see obstacles. Jesus said in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We can look for the opportunities to show peace in the midst of crisis. Next, we can help our city. In the moment where uh, we, we can become obsessed with ourselves and look inwards, we can look for new ways to serve others. We can take a family some dinner. We can reach out to our neighbors and see how we can help them. We can offer to to, to do yard work spring chores, or other tasks that they may need to complete. And when people in our city see that we care, it will remind them that God does too. Some of you may know that each week we pack about 60 backpack bags to send to the local schools to help kids who have food insecurity so that they have food on the weekend. And I've already reached out to the leader of that to say, how can we help? How can we make sure that we're still committed to these kids and making sure they have the food that they need during this time? We're willing to do whatever it takes. 
And I'm still waiting to hear how can we re- meet that need. And I pray that if that's something that you want to help us with, that you would, you would let me know. We're looking for other ways that we can reach out to the kids and to the youth in our city today. You see, Jesus doesn't just call us to go to church. Rather, he calls us to be the church. And whether we gather in a building on a Sunday morning for a service or not, our calling is to live out the mission of Jesus. Our calling is to show the love and grace of Jesus to our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, anyone that we come in contact with through that elbow bump. Next, we can develop new rhythms. We can develop new rhythms as we gain the opportunity to slow down a bit from school, from extracurricular activities, sporting events, we get a chance to develop a new rhythm for our own personal lives and for our families. Those of you on Facebook, you may know, but we have put together a whole package of things that you can do as a family as a way to continue a conversation at home where you can watch a Bible story and talk about it together. You can sing worship songs together and you can actually do your own small group together as a family. And we're going to provide more of those opportunities, more of those resources throughout the week. But this can be a spark in your family. This can be a time you can look back and say, that crisis was a crazy time, but I can see how Jesus showed up and how I responded in a new way. What if we committed to spending quality time with our family or our friends in a new way? What if we committed to family dinners together, sharing life together Andy Stanley, in a recent podcast, said he had a couple rules for his family. One was don't lie, which is a pretty good one. The second was they committed to a regular family dinner together. And they saw how their family came closer and closer and shared their concerns, shared their life together over a dinner table. And maybe that could be something that you try as well. We can develop new rhythms. We can use this opportunity to refocus and recenter our calling as a Jesus follower and what that truly means. Finally, we can deepen trust. See, one way or another, this crisis will pass. And having been together through a crisis, we'll be able to tackle so much more in the future. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is a unique opportunity, a unique time in our world. Let's lead like Jesus has transformed our hearts. Let's leverage this moment for the church to bring assurance and hope to a world filled with fear. It's time for us to be the church. And so today, I'm I'm just going to ask you, will you commit to being the church? Will you commit to going? Will you commit to loving and sharing with your neighbor, your coworker? Will you commit to praying today? God, who is that person that you want me to reach? Who is that one person today that I can show love to? Who is that one person today that I'm willing to reach and and to to seek out for the sake of the gospel? Doesn't have to be awkward. Doesn't have to be um, uncomfortable. Uh, But God's calling us to do that. A couple weeks ago, I was taking my daughter Lucy uh, to see the cardiologist. She had a heart murmur. Uh, everything turned out okay. Uh, but inside the waiting room, there was a picture of, uh, I guess, a patient that had their heart, uh, one of those like science drawings that had a picture of the heart. And she was studying that for a while. And as a four-year-old, I could only imagine what's going through her head. She said, Daddy, I don't see Jesus in the heart. Where is he? 
And I was trying to figure out what to say, and I decided, well, let's ask the cardiologist when she comes in. And so as the cardiologist came in, I, I said, Lucy, why don't, you, uh, why don't you ask the doctor your question? And so Lucy said, um, where's Jesus? I don't see him in this heart. I could only imagine what was going through that doctor's mind at that moment. As she woke up that morning, I'm sure she didn't think she'd have a four-year-old asking her where Jesus was. And I don't know what hit her at that moment. I don't know if she ever thought about that again. I don't know if after she left that room, she thought a second time about who Jesus was or where he was. Uh, But luckily, that's not our job, right? The Spirit gets to control that. But, but Lucy taught me a lesson at that moment that, that we can just be uh, bold. We can have courage. We can share Jesus with others. Amen. That the results aren't up to us. The results are up to God. Amen. And so today I pray that we would be willing and be bold to share the love of Jesus with others. Amen. Through a conversation, through an act of love, I pray today that we would be the church. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the technology that we get to spend time together, learning your word, being encouraged, being challenged, Father. I pray that none of us would become stagnant in our relationship with you, that we wouldn't be willing to go and to love, that we wouldn't be settled for knowing that the mission and the love of Jesus was for us, but not for others. Today, Father, I pray that we would commit to showing an act of love to those around us. Our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, Father, you would bring someone to mind right now that we can reach out to, that we can show a tangible act of love to today. Father, I pray during this time that we can be beacons of peace like you were. Father, that we can be a light in this dark world. We can be a shepherd to people who who are lost. God, that we can point them to you, to the love that only you can provide. Father, I thank you for this time together. I pray as we go that we will show the love that you showed us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.